You sure? This is your I mean, show. It's your show. I'm just here, just recording. I just do all the editing and the website development. I know. So long-time listeners will know that I do not go back and re-listen to shows. Right? We've had this conversation a number of times. Um, and so it's always amusing to me or you know, kind of interesting when people talk to me about a show and they'll say, well, what about this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And like the last show, somebody was like, well, it just started with Sam saying, well, this is your show. And I was like, wait, when did that come about? Like when we were talking, you know, I was trying to play back our conversation in my head. So I rarely know kind of how the show begins, how it ends. And I mean, you know, God help me if Sam does any crazy editing in the middle of the show. I have no idea. And you don't care because this is a conversation. And like we've said since day one, you know, like we're, we're, we're giving people the gift of an insight into the conversations that we were having because we lived very far apart. And it was like, well... You know, because we actually lived close together for a little while, and we would have these conversations, and then we started missing them, and we said, "Well, let, let, let's talk talk on the Skype or something," because we're you know we're not animals; we're not going to use our cell phones to talk. Yeah, like a phone call. Had a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so yeah, so then uh, it became a show, but like I, I've always told people when they ask me that too, like, "Why? Well, you know, you get many more listeners if you're more polished," and to me, it's it's like everything's in the call. Like we don't edit out coughs for the most part. We don't edit out like you know dogs barking or babies crying or wives you know complaining that we're podcasting for two and a half hours or anything like that. You know, it's 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 part of the show. It's part of the phone call or the Skype call and uh, or ZenCaster, whatever we use now. And uh, I, I think that's that's kind of the charm of this is that it, it's a it's a form of voyeurism that is allowed in Trump America, you know, because we, we used to have other forms of voyeurism, but those aren't morally upright. <laughs> well, I would say, right. I mean, so if we were kind of thinking about this in a, in a, in a more religion. <laughs> in a thinking religion kind of sense in a more polished sense, right. We might talk, right. We talk about the voyeurism, but we'd also talk about kind of the, you know, the vulnerability, the kind of radical humanity aspect of it. Um, I know there's a there's a show that my wife likes, and one of the things that she really likes about the show is that there are um, kind of clips from throughout that person's week, interactions with friends and with family members and things like that, that kind of are pulled together to make a full show, right? So it's kind of, you're really opening a door into uh, this person's life. And that's kind of what our show is, I mean, you know, it's just during one conversation, but, you know, we always say that we're just hitting record on the conversations we're having anyway. And that is, I don't I mean, there's nothing uh, more true than that. And you probably recognize that and you're probably like, oh, that's really boring or why'd they get off on that tangent? I don't care about leather. Or I don't care about tech or I don't care about politics. Or I don't care about religion, but there's kind of something there, we hope, for everybody, right? Um, and this is kind of like how real people are, we think. Right. Um, so in, in our <laughs> right, in our estimation of who are real people, <laughs> right, we have varied interests. And um, I don't know. So there are a lot of a lot of really good shows. And this is one of the things that we both love about the uh, podcasting um, platform and, and genre is that it allows you to be really, really niche. That's that's one of its strengths. Um, and. But not every right. So we have all these interests, but not everybody. Um, very few people have one sole interest, right? Um, and particularly with the topics that we, you know, we this show is ostensibly about religion, and so particularly with religion being kind of the driving force um, in the way that we understand religion, it encompasses a lot of these other aspects of our lives as well. And you know, so that is kind of why we delve into all these other uh, topics of conversation as well. Yeah, I've always said like the show is more. It's like the things that you're not supposed to talk about. It's religion, politics, sex. Right. So things that that um, traditionally uh, they say make you a a bad dinner guest. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We're the people who sit down, and this is our our outlet for that. And you know, for the few thousand people that listen to the show, this is their hopefully uh, cathartic way to commiserate with with like minded souls who who want to talk about religion, politics, and sex, and <laughs> and pups. <puppies. laughs> Yeah, we have some special guests for tonight. 
Um, so you know you don't have to mute it. It's okay. It's even more awkward when you mute it, Thomas, because <laughs> it just cuts off. <laughs> no, because we know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, like a hundred shows in, and you don't. Ugh. Um, do, do you want to do follow up first, or do you want to talk about the show, or do you want to talk let's about? Do, um, let's do follow up. I'm sure we'll talk about the show some more. All right, so some fu. Um, I did get a question about our setup. And I was going to talk about that a little bit because someone who's been a long-time listener of the show asked about what we use to record. And I don't know if they meant like physical or, or mental or <laughs> hardware type. But um, we use a right now we're using a service called Zencaster, which I believe it's like 20 bucks a month or something. But it's, um, it's awesome because you can record a podcast or audio in your browser. So because we both use Chrome... For this, and I know Thomas uses uh, his fancy Safari, but you can use Chrome and, and do all kind of cool things like play dramatic piano like that over your um, over your, your your text your your audio. Okay, um, so Zencaster, it's uh, z n c a s t r dot com, and there's a link down in the show notes. Um, that's kind of the the main platform. We used to do Skype, and we had a few issues with that. Um, well, it just you know, the thing with uh, you know, Skype is great in general as a product, um, though I fear it's becoming a little bloated, uh, and I may have to do something with these dogs. We we have an extra dog in the house tonight, so that's uh, part of what's got them riled up. Don't talk about your wife like that. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, with also with Skype, you have to do so much more to make the recording happen, right? You've got to push it into another program and record it. And so you've, you, there's a lot more work that needs to happen, a lot more steps to cause, you know, potential failure as well. Whereas yeah. it kind of Zencaster is all packaged in and it also, um, saves, uh, MP3s of your audio of separate of the separate audio on the call and, uh, wave files as well, which is what we use. So we, uh, well, yeah, we download the wave files and uh, import those and I use I used to use uh, Logic Pro and then I used um, originally we used GarageBand right with like line in right yeah and I believe it was Logic or something anyway whatever Debbie's creative suite thing is Um, and I got tired of that and right now I'm I'm running all Linux at home so we actually use Audacity uh, to do the, the editing and I take those WAV files and I make, make sure they're all good and I level them out and I play with them and then I port them through a program called Levelator, which is basically not being developed anymore, but it was still a cool program. And I don't always go with the final edits out of Levelator, but I, I like to use that uh, just to make sure everything's um, smoothed over. And then we take that and we upload it to the server. Now, Originally, for the first 99 episodes of this show, we've been using a WordPress, doc, well, not WordPress.com, WordPress uh, self-install on, on my server. Uh, so thinking.fm was a WordPress site. And that means that there are lots of updates, and it's great, and we can do all these fun things with it. But it's overkill because we're hosting a podcast. So we've, we've looked at things like Squarespace and blah, blah, blah. But Well, should we sit what, down on Squarespace for a second? Just, bef- I mean, just as a pause... Yeah, so because is that like a hipster language for like let's, let's, let's I don't, walk I have that no back idea. a little. <laughs> yeah, like some twenty-year-old uh, said that to me right. in a meeting last week. Like let, let's walk that back a bit, Sam. And I was like, don't hipster me. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but yeah, let's sure, I'm definitely gonna go with it. Yeah, let's sit, let's sit down on that for a minute. It's definitely hipster, I think. So yeah, you know me, my beard oil, and my um, sitting down on things for a minute. Uh, so. A lot of people, when they want to get in, uh, initially Squarespace is really attractive. Um, but one thing to think about with Squarespace is with what they allow you to do with podcasting uh, is limiting uh, once you get to uh, a large number of shows or if you have shows that are long. Um, it begins to limit uh, the space that you can have on there and the bandwidth that you can use, which you know, if you're thinking about, you're, you may be thinking about, I'm doing this one show and people are going to listen to it this week and that's it. But uh, hopefully they continue to listen long after. I mean, we have a number of shows, you know, from a year or two ago that uh, still perform really well. They have what's called a long tail. And uh, you're not going to be able to have that if you're just doing 
your podcast on Squarespace. So they have nice templates and it's really nice to build sites on there. And my personal site is built on Squarespace and I really like it. But there are a number of limitations for podcasting uh, with Squarespace. And so it's something to think about. It's easy to get started with a Squarespace site for a podcast. But if you if you keep going, you're going to run into a lot of limitations, which is going to create more work for you down the road, really. Yeah, that's true. So I think Squarespace 5, like, they, you know, they update and you can't, like, find version 5. But Right. Yeah, I think it's 7 now. Yeah, you don't have to update it. So I know a couple of people who still run their podcast on Squarespace and they, they're on Squarespace 5 and they won't up, update <laughs> um, because they, those new kind of rules kicked in in version 6 or 7 where yeah. you can only have so much on the server and blah, 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 which makes sense. So what we moved to in the last week, but this is, I've been planning this for about six months. Uh, it's called Fireside and it's at, a, I think it's a fireside.fm. And Fireside is a podcast engine basically that's uh, being built by a guy named Dan Benjamin. And Dan Benjamin, if you listen to podcasts, especially tech podcasts, you might know from uh, his podcast network called 5 by 5 um, he had the talk show at one time and a lot of sort of Mac-related tech shows, good stuff. My, one of my favorite podcasts is Back to Work, and it's uh, he and Merlin Mann, and it's it's a fantastic show about just productivity in life, and it, it's very much like this show, and I'm not saying that I borrowed a lot of <laughs> bits and that kind of thing from that show for this show, but it, it's kind of a, a very analogous show. So if you if you like us, like go listen to, to 5x5 and uh, Back to Work. I'll put a link in there. Anyway, Dan... Uh, does a lot more like this is his business so he has all these sponsors and that kind of stuff which we don't have sadly 100 shows we need to come on come on zondervan zondervan, wants <laughs> zondervan? i don't think zondervan <laughs> wants the sponsor <laughs> zondervan if you're out there you know you are um we have a lot of reach we have more reach than jesus john piper uh so anyway um he, he built this thing called fireside which is a front-facing podcast engine and it's it's fantastic so we're, we're going to move thinking.fm over in the next few weeks uh to that and you won't have to do anything all your itunes links will stay the same uh google play stitcher whatever you use uh pocket casts overcast uh any of those apps any of those services that you use to get your podcast delivered to you will will just work seamlessly uh if you do get an error message let me know and i'll, I'll reach out and help you out individually because i love and care about each one of our listeners because you're individual snowflakes um, but uh, I think it's going to be awesome. So right now you can go see where we are at thinkingfm.fireside.fm. But in the next week or two, thinking.fm will shift over. The, the whole domain will shift over to this new site. And I like it. I think it's cool. But anyway, let us know what you think. Uh, the show notes stuff, it, I mean, it, it's much more glitzy, if that's a word. It's much more like big legally in, in terms of, what it looks like, I think, um, but also in, in terms of how it operates. So it's much easier to share out to LinkedIn or <laughs> who, who shares podcasts on LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn. What, my work is really big into sharing on LinkedIn. <laughs> it's our social network. It's uh, I'm not going to go there. Um, if, if you're sharing out to Facebook or, or, or Twitter or whatever, yeah, WhatsApp. <laughs> Snapchat, Instagram. Anyway, I, I'm I'm excited about about that change because uh, I, I like to nerd out and play with with web toys, and this is definitely uh, something that we've been needing to do for the last two three years uh, since we've really started thinking .fm back in God, what was that? 2009, I believe, was the first iteration. Yeah, I mean, kind of the the early iterations of it, I think, was around 2009. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so that that's how we do what we do. And it, as as you can hear, it's it's constantly evolving. So one time we thought, well, we're going to have an ancient news segment and this kind of a segment and a big topic segment and what's in the news segment. And that was fun and it got a good listenership. And then we had the bingo card thing, which blew up and, you know, we got all that traffic from Rolling Stone and those places. And that was kind of fun. Um, so we, we keep evolving this in a way that um, keeps it exciting for us, but also I think stays true to what we orig originally started out with you know, eight years ago, which is, you know, it's a conversation about stuff we want to talk about. Right. And that evolves. Out. Yeah. That evolves just as, uh, as we evolve. Right. Um, so 
Yeah, we'll say more about that later. But, uh, you know, if I don't know if people are interested in, you know, if the question is kind of how we do what we do, um, how do we record what we record? We both use microphones by a company called Blue. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. Which are really great. I use the Snowball, same. Uh, I think you're using the... Um, Hashtag. <laughs> which one? Which model are you using now? The Yeti. I use the, I you're use using the, Yeti the, still. the Blue Yeti, and I'm using the Blue Snowball. Um, and they're, the Yeti's a, a, a little bit nicer mic than the Snowball. One of the benefits of the Snowball, it's round and... Um, all right, obviously, hence the name. Trying <laughs> he's trying he's trying and failing because he's still 13 years old um but you can with the why, why do you use this snowball Thomas? please help well so you uh you can do uh unidirectional or omnidirectional so <laughs> this is not that funny right um but i guess to our inner 13 year old selves it is but so unidirectional right one direction for just one person talking to the mic or omnidirectional if you want to sit it in front of the sit it in the middle of a table and have a conversation it actually picks all of that up quite well too and we've we've done a show or two like that uh back in the day when we picked it up great yeah so whatever (laughs) um so that's the sorry that's the um that's the mic those are the mics that we use uh and then now i have like you know, so now I have this new Mac, and it's all USB-C. And, um, of course, my mic is just regular USB. Oh, yeah, so you had, you had to get so a I dongle have, for that. I have a dongle for my... <laughs> for your snowball? Yeah. Yep. Respect. That was for you, Sam. Thank you. Happy 100. Um, yeah, this this blue is getting old in the tooth. This uh, Yeti. I've, I've looked at replacements. Um and my laptop that I have now can actually accommodate a um, something like like a direct mic. So I've been experimenting. I actually bought one on Amazon a couple of months ago, like a Rode podcaster mic. Yeah, that's like a direct line in. And played with it, and I don't know. I, I just wasn't a fan, so I ended up sending it back and going back to the Yeti. And I recorded one show with it, and to me, it just didn't sound well, so or sound good. Uh, yeah, well, the um, the Yeti I think is a little bit more portable than the than the Snowball because uh, I've traveled with the Snowball before uh, when we've done shows when I've been on the road. But um, it's you know, it's a big ball. I don't know. So I guess, uh, but we don't. I mean, we don't do the show on the road very often, or I don't. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, we've done it a couple times, but it's I've used. Uh, I was, I was thinking about that tonight as, as I'm driving home. I had my AirPods in, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if there's a way to record using my AirPods. Because I really like the sound they make, and I'm sure it's terrible from an audiophile point of view. But um, I've listened to myself like record things, and it sounds really, really good. Like The microphone does pick you up really well, and I don't know if it's because it's on your cheek or whatever, but um, it's got a nice tenor to it, I guess. Yeah. Those things are game changers, by the way, the Apple AirPods. Huge fan. Huge fan. So how do you, um, have you, have you lost any, either of them yet? I have, I have not. So, and you know, they, they come in this like tic-tac box. It's yeah. about the size of two tic-tacs and you flip the top open and they're in there magnetically. And I show them off everywhere I go. Cause I think they're the, I think they're a game changer. Uh, like her, um, with Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Um, but I've got a this is ground knickknack case, and it's it's basically a leather triangle, which sounds really inconvenient. Um, did you did that come in your latest sample box? It did. So I got oh. that in the pencil case and a laptop case, and they're all three different colors. But but the triangle is actually the same color as my mod and my venture backpack. So it's it's kind of cool. It's that cognac color, yeah. like you have. Yeah, I just um, got the new mod and the cognac as well. Yeah, yeah. So they're all the same color. But I, I, I put the AirPod case in that little knickknack thing with, uh, like, the charger. And it's fantastic for carrying that. And, I, you know, I don't worry about it being scratched up or whatever. It's right. It's in, in my bag every day. Um, and I can actually, yeah, like, there have been times where if I'm going to a meeting and I know I'm going to stay in the conference room for a long time, like, by myself afterwards between meetings or something, I'll just pick up the little knickknack case with the charger in there and, and uh, carry that around with the mod. And it looks good. So, big fan of the uh, 
both of those things that this is ground knickknack two, I believe it is. I didn't know they had a knickknack one, but evidently they did. And uh, and his AirPods, they're they're awesome, and they sound great. I'm I'm still impressed by them, yeah. constantly. All right, so uh, let's see what else we have for follow up. Oh, so our friend of the show, um, do you want to say his name? Because always. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. when you do it. His name is Sam's the Candida. best of names. Sam has Candida. Sam has the best names. They're bigly names. Uh, his his name is Dying Sparrows. Uh, w. Travis McMacken. McMacken. McBacon. McBacon. Yeah, there we go. You're getting call a nickname. McMacken. Friend of the show, okay, McBacon. So he's not. He's not Dying Sparrows on Twitter, by the way. That's <laughs> he's not. That's another friend. person. I'm sorry. That's uh, Eric Van Eichel, I think. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Different. Yeah, so W. Travis McMakin is, is W. Travis McBacon on... No, W. <laughs> Travis McMakin, Mackin. Yeah, but uh, it should I be think it's Mackin. Yeah. It should be... Okay, so I have, I have a question for you before I answer your questions, because you had 43 tweets in a row. Not me, Travis did. Tra- yeah, so does he go by Travis? I've never talked to Travis, or W. Travis. Like, if I met him, would I call him W.? All right. Well, I've never Travis. met him in real life either, right? This is the thing. Right, we have to make this happen. That we have this fantastic, right? This is part of why we do what we do, right? We have this fantastic community. <laughs> help me help you. <laughs> right, yeah. We have this fantastic kind of digital community that we couldn't have uh, otherwise, right? And so, I mean, obviously, you know, Sam and I are very, very opposed to the arguments like, oh, millennials are so bad because they're on their phone all the time and all this stuff and, you know, tech is ruining our lives and it's ruining our relationships. And I think it's sure like any tool would has the potential to do that uh, if you let it or if you use it that way. But I also think it has some fantastic potential. Um, I don't know. Most of the great relationships that I have uh, in academia, for instance, all began first on Twitter. So yeah, so anyway, that's just like a, a short little thing. I don't know. I just, it, this well, is really uh, important to me, right? And I, I think, and I know it's important to you too, Sam. But this community that we have around this show that we're allowed, that we're able to have um, because of the tools that we have through Twitter and through this podcast and through Facebook and some other things. So I, I don't know. I call him Travis when I uh, talk about him, but I don't know. <laughs> I guess I guess I guess Travis will have to tell us. Um, and actually, from now on, I think he's just going to go by McBacon. So he is now McBacon. We're like W with our nicknames. That W, see? Um, yeah, I never know when, when someone has a first initial. Like when you go by Thomas J. Whitley, I was like, do you want to be, do you want me to call you like Thomas J. Whitley or Thomas Whitley or Thomas Joshua Whitley? You know, like, yeah. We, we had that branding issue. Um, but no, I mean, allow me to put on my, my sort of sermonic hat here. But when we were kids, we all thought, oh, by 2020, we'll have flying cars or jetpacks like jetpacks right. were the big thing right and what's the one thing that star wars and star trek and all these like futuristic sci-fi shows missed and it's the ability to instantly communicate with the world from something that you carry in your pocket every day like this this kind of global instant communicator is weird you know like no we didn't get jetpacks but we got the internet and that's pretty fantastic so when i think about things like that what or you're just saying like the value of this community that's kind of grown up around the show that's amazing to me and it's amazing that you know a group of somewhat like-minded not always individuals can have a have a spot to kind of coalesce around something as silly and ephemeral as you know you and I kind of sitting here making seventh grade jokes but but also you know raising bigger issues like that's really cool and we we could not do this 10 years ago the way we do it now i mean yeah there were ways to do it and dave weiner was working on opml and there was podcast delivery but think about the ability for people to get into their car tomorrow morning and listen to this show because we recorded it tonight and i'm going to you know take it and edit it and chop it up and upload it to a server and it's going to be automatically delivered to your device so that when you wake up in the morning you're gonna be like oh there's a new thinking religion that's cool let me see what thomas and sam are talking about this week like that's insane and that's to me like such a cool tech experience um you know even something like kindle books i mean i love physical books but if you would have told 13 year old sam that he could have any book he wanted any book and lots of them for free, like bajillions of books for free. 
or if you know how to find them in Sweden, you know, ways to find them. You could have any book you wanted at, you know, near light speed. Like, that's weird. And no, we didn't get jetpacks, but we have this and we have communities that grow up around these things, whether it's on Goodreads or, you know, podcast um, groups or, or, or even Facebook, you know, for God's sakes. So. Right. I mean, I think, you know, for, and for some people, everything is awesome. Exactly. (laughs) So, uh, so you missed it in the pre-show, which Sam was not recording, sadly. But Sam made <laughs> he he um, made a, a Megan Trainer reference. Uh, I'm disappointed that didn't make it in the show, but I am I do appreciate that the Lego Movie reference made it into the show. Um, but you know, for some people, I mean, the communities that they can have online, they are not able to have in in their physical space where they live. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, because they're able to find like-minded people online that they're not able to find. I felt uh, so lonely. Right. You I mean, know, right. I mean, you grew South up Carolina. in rural South Carolina, right? You know, and, and like, I, I I jumped on things like Prodigy as soon as I could. I mean, I was doing like message boards and all the you know bulletin boards, all that stuff as soon as I could. And I was so we would communicate on bulletin boards, and I would write a letter to you know a person in Kansas. Um, and we'd have these pen pal relationships. She was cute, but it it was neat to <laughs> it was neat to be able to to experience that. And it's like, oh, you think the same thing I think as a fifteen year old. Um, I'm not saying that's always a you know whatever, but right, yeah. In this case, it was positive and healthy. Um, you know, and then we just we don't we don't give that enough appreciation. I think so. Thank you all for for being out there. And if you want to show your appreciation, go to Patreon.com/slash/ThinkingFM. <laughs> Um, right, or exactly. going on our on our on our homepage on Fireside because that's all built in now. Um, but no, but but seriously, I, I guess the biggest takeaway for me tonight as we celebrate 100 is just to um, yeah, just to thank people like Travis and um, you know David Allen Jr. Those, those folks who who do contribute and listen and that's right. really cool. Carrie, yeah. Dale, I mean, you know, we have supporters out there that that. You know, it, it amazes me that people send us money for this and uh, we don't ask for it, but. Um, Except for tonight. <laughs> please give us your money. Just send your cash. <laughs> people want blankets, water. No, give us that just, paper. Just send us your cash. Right. Well, and so this also tells you, right, you're not alone in listening to us, but, you know, if you've been out there this whole time. Um, <laughs> in that right, song. You're not alone. Um, if you've been out there this whole time and thinking like, oh, you know, I wonder, you know, what they think about this or they should have thought about that, um, like reach out. I mean, so we constantly get a, we have a lot of private conversations with listeners. They'll send us text messages or messages on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, um, and which is you know great. We really enjoyed that. Uh, so keep doing that. Um, we we don't. We're going to talk to you, right? That's why we're doing this, right? Because we enjoy this community. So anyway, so we were talking about uh, McBacon, <laughs> right? And his, and so you were going to talk about his tweet storm uh, last yeah, so night. He, he wrote yesterday. an amazing tweet storm yesterday, I believe. And uh, let me, let me pull it up here on the tweet deck. And I, I saw that you entered, no, that was February 28th. That was another tweet storm. Was that the same one? Yeah, that, that's that's what that was. Okay. Um, no, that was that was a different that was a different tweet. Yeah, story. that was a conversation about something else. Um, yeah, so McBacon was talking about just war, uh, just war theory and connection to Carl Bar- Carl Bart. I can't talk. And some of the points we made last week, and he he wrote this uh, sort of amazing. Um, but it, it felt like something that, that should be preserved in another medium than Twitter, and I hope he's written this up elsewhere. Well, the good news is that the Library of Congress is... Yeah, that's true. It's preserved. Um, yeah, but, he, you know, McBacon says, I feel compelled uh, to say a few words about hashtag Carl Bart and hashtag Just War in response to Sam uh, and, and Thomas, who kindly mentioned me in their most recent Thinking Religion episode which included me in the show notes which fulfilled a personal goal of his thanks guys you're welcome bart served as a jumping off point to a wider discussion of just war theory and pacifism they pointed out correctly that bart is not an absolute pacifist Uh, he is a practical p is a his is a practical pacifism that does not altogether rule out the possibility that it might be necessary for the christian to engage in the use of coercive force 
um, my sense from Thomas and Sam is that they incline much more towards an absolute pacifist position. False. Wrong. Well, maybe inclined toward, but I don't know that we would, that either of us would hold, like actually hold an absolute pacifist position, but you know, probably inclined toward. This is why McBacon is failing. Um, (laughs) So I failing McBacon. (laughs) I want to make two points about Bart's position on this and he gets through it and we, we won't go through the whole thing, but in the third point of his own, which I thought is very interesting, his third point, uh, but basically he says that when Bart talks about the exceptional case, there's an ethics of creation within kind of church dogmatics. So he, he's taking that, um, he, he cites Matthew Puffer, uh, he's taking that uh, sort of position that Bart, is it Bart or Barth? I'm just kidding. He's taking that <laughs> position that Barth um, doesn't argue that there's an absolute command, but it's, it's, a, it's a relational command. So it's more of a, a dogmatic situation. And I know how much Thomas loves church dogmatics, so I won't spend too much longer there. Um, and then he, he makes a second point kind of about the socioethical life and how they're disordered in kind of the, the sense of creation and how, um, God, stop muting your phone, and how um, we, should, we should have a disposition towards pacifism, pacifism in practice, but we cannot absolutely rule out the possibility that God's command may uh, demand the use of coercive force, things like World War II and that kind of stuff. And then um, I'm trying to find the third part here that he mentioned. Do you have that handy, TJW? Here, on mute. Okay, I'll find it. Oh, here it goes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> uh, we're professionals. Don't try this at home. We're always entangled in sin. Our actions are never perfect, so there are no conditions in which Christians can participate in the use of force, of force, force without participating in sin, and there are no conditions under which Christians can successfully avoid participating participating in sin by declining to participate in the use of course of force so damned if you do damned if you don't um so you know basically the question is this he says is the use of course of force what is necessarily necessary in this particular circumstance in order to serve the god of the gospel the god of love and i think that's a pretty interesting question um when you take into account like civil war and world war ii and Right. So I think um, uh, fake news. Yeah, right. Certainly in the war against fake news. Um, So I think that, yeah, I mean, obviously, Travis made some great points. And uh, I have no problem saying that I'm sure he understands Bart much better than I do. uh, Because, you know, if I'm being confessional for a moment, um, I don't really care that much. Right. That's what you did there with a confessional. That was clever. Yeah. Yeah. so, I mean, right, and I said this on Twitter last night, when the last thing I would consider myself as a theologian uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but obviously, like I think probably a lot of our listeners, right, you think about these things a lot. So you have deeply theological thoughts, you know, whether you uh, subscribe to any religious tradition or not, uh, you, know, you probably have a lot of these thoughts as well. But so uh, I, th- I think one of his best points, one of the points that resonated the most with me was this point that he made about revolution, right? So there's a question, can you consider World War II a just war if you uh, go by the framework that he's given us um, and that he's kind of working off a of BART from? Uh, can you consider World War II a just war? He says potentially, but of course there are some problems with that. Uh, where I think the closest you can get to it, though I still don't think it falls within the just war category, is this uh, this category of revolution, particularly um, revolutions against uh, you know hegemonic and oppressive forces, uh, and that I would I would certainly say if your if your um, your ruler your you know your guide stick is uh, in this situation, is it necessary to use coercive force in order to bring about you know here would be the god of gospel or the god of love or you know the greater good. Um, then oftentimes, you know, like slave revolts and things like that, I would, I would probably agree with that. Um, so I would not say that I, I certainly tend toward uh, an absolute pacifism, but uh, for a, a whole number of reasons. But it doesn't mean that I would think that there are no situations in which the use of coercive force or you know violence um, would be justified. Because I do think that we can come up with situations where uh, violence would be potentially 
justified. Uh, the problem I have, right, and this is what I said uh, last night too, the main problem that I have, I think, is that in all of this, we are necessarily, I don't know the, the nicest way to say this, but um, projecting right, our understanding of what is justness and our understanding of God onto uh, this figure. And so we, we cannot, I guess, I mean, we cannot divorce our uh, perceptions of some deity and that deity's conception of justice from our own lives and our own experiences and our, our own interested uh, realities. And so in that regard, I, I cannot bring myself to say, yes, my deity would agree that this war is just. Because chances are, I view my I right this. It's right. We talked about before. It's Bob Dylan's with God on our side, right? We everybody thinks that their deity is on their side and that they are on the right side of history. That they are on the side of justice, and that's just a, that's fairly convenient, right? That we always happen to think that we're on the side of God. So, do you think God is a God of love? Okay, now we're, now you're really trying to go deep on episode 100. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so that would be Thomas. That's when we should. It's our anniversary. I know. I guess we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> lay we're gonna bear it out, right? Lay it all out here. We're gonna sit on this for a minute. Um, uh, so yeah. So if if they, if I could, uh, um, if I can say anything about uh, God, it would be that God is a God of love. I mean, I have it tattooed on me, you know. I know, that's why I asked. I know, I know. It's this great inscription on Mount Nebo, and that's what I've got. But anyway. Um, do, you, do you ever regret that? No, no, not at all. I've had a great conversation with another friend of the show. I won't call him out by name, but another friend of the show who actually lives in town here. Uh, in a number of conversations about tattoos because I got a, another one recently. Yeah, it's Hillary. Sorry. But she just doesn't like me to uh, talk about her. Um, but... Uh, you know, no, I mean, I, I view tattoos as kind of and what he was saying, too, is kind of like this is who you were at that time when you got the tattoo. Um, and I spent a lot of time thinking about mine before I get them. Uh, and I don't have anything no. that's like, you know, the like Bugs Bunny or Tasmanian Devil or anything like that. Or, or you wanted like love in Chinese and it actually says like number four with no soy sauce. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, okay. I don't have any of those. If God is a God of love, then how do we have hate or whatever the opposite of love might be? Isn't love like just a human emotion that we're preconceived? I mean, yeah, like man, DC, DC Talk told us this back in the 90s, right? Love is a <laughs> verb. I, I sadly did not listen to DC Talk. Or you didn't listen to any DC Talk? Dude, I was so deep into like Nirvana Pearl Jam with my long hair and black fingernails. So I read this, um, I was reading this article in the guardian today and it was, and it was talking about like whether Jesus would gentrify. It was an interesting piece, but, um, it talked about this group listening to contemporary Christian rock. And the two examples it gave were mercy me and Natalie Grant. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Like there's nothing rock about mercy me or Natalie Grant, right? Maybe you could say like thousand foot crutch or somebody like that. Who's like, actually, I don't know. Anyway, it was, um, wasn't Creed like a Christian band? Yeah, yeah. So Creed was, and Creed would be like soft rock, I guess, right? With arms wide open. They were like hard um, rock. They were like, nah, they weren't really that hard. Yeah, I mean, they were. They okay, were kind all of right. Like the, the inheritors of, of that. Yeah. Sound. Okay, I'll say that, and I do think that yeah, I do think Creed kind of got their start in what at the time wasn't really a like CCM scene, but arms wide kind open. Of, yeah, um, I'm not gonna lie. Okay, so we're we're right. We're, this in the in the spirit of anniversaries and confessionals. Um, I ran in high school, cross country, indoor track, and outdoor track. And my um, and during the track seasons, I ran short distances. And so my kind of um, I don't know, like get me pumped up. Music was DMZ. Um, and is that right? DMZ. DMC. Sorry, I don't know. DMC. I gotta think about this for a second. Um, it is okay. I somebody's out there like you're an idiot, uh, but I'm positive <laughs> it's DMC. Like 
Um, yeah, the rapper, DMC. Um, so that's who I listened to for my, like, when I was getting geared up for short distance Wait, races. No, 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 not at all. But, Uh-oh. um, but the group that I listened to to get, like, in the mood or, like, pumped up, if you can say it, uh, for my cross country meets was Creed. Yeah, and then, and you know, it's had like this, like this big, like the, a lot of their songs kind of had a rise in them. Right, like Arms Wide Open does. Um, if I'd been more cultured at the time, I would have listened to like the Chariots of Fire soundtrack or something. But I was not that cultured in high school. Yeah, you're listening to Creed. Um, so it, if God is a God of love, then how do we have bad things, Thomas? How do you, how do you explain the Odyssey? Man, we don't have time for this. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> you're the one making bold claims and like putting this shit on your body with ink. Like, I know, right? Up? But in, isn't love a human projection? Like, do we? Yeah, really absolutely, absolutely, me? and that's fine. But um, you know, this this is what. Here's the thing, right? You just said you still hold to that. I do, but what oh. I'm comfortable saying is that I recognize that this is mediated through my life experiences, and. If that means that this only exists in my head, then that's okay. That's where it exists. But this is what I'm comfortable with. And a lot I of mean, people say, well, you don't have to, you you're not supposed to be comfortable with God or whatever. And that, that's fine. We can have a long talk about that uh, because <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about that. But um, no, I mean, I, 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 I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> um, but I, I think that, right, you have to have some overarching hermeneutic. And, and that's the one that I've, that I've settled on. Uh, for a number of reasons yeah okay that's cool but i mean the question of the odyssey is, is an important question right why do bad things happen it's it's I not one thing so. um, especially for somebody who says god is love no it's an i'm saying it's an important question for a lot of people a lot of people have that question maybe right? the odyssey and love are the same thing and we just like you said we don't understand it's like saying that god sanctions us to have course of four sometimes and you know guys i got like these yeah but i but what i would say is i just think um and in so many of those in so many of those cases i think i don't know like the explanations just make us feel better about ourselves and um i'm sure that's what my explanations do too god Um, is a concept by which we measure our pain to quote john lennon yeah Yeah. i'm good with that (laughs) then how can you say god is love (laughs) jesus you people i'm a millennial um okay so honestly right the thing that i would be closest to would be something like a process the odyssey but we don't have time to listen we're gonna get right way back right as a process theologian and i was like don't you dare (laughs) okay so so our most faithful listeners will know that way back in the day we had trevar on Trevor Simmons, whom we call Trevor, because this amazing trip that we had to uh, DC and Savannah together. Um, Big Trevor. But we had Trevor on uh, to talk about process theology and process theodicy. It was just a fantastic uh, conversation that he and I had uh, way back in kind of the early days of the show. Oh, yeah, because I wasn't um, on the show that uh, that week or whatever. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, and that that still, I mean, to this day would be kind of the closest thing I would come to because I just oh, so many of the other... Um, right. It it puts its own little magic pixie dust in the problem of evil, but every explanation does, right? You have to have some kind of pixie dust that you add into it uh, to make it work, and this is the one again that I'm comfortable with. But I, I appreciate that um, that your wife considers herself a process theologian. I know I, I, I laughed when she. I didn't laugh. I'm not saying it that way. But I was like, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> In that case, yeah. let, let's talk about this. Um, okay. Well, that, that's a that's a rather unconvincing spot you have there. But that's good. Good for you. I'm glad that's what you're comfortable with. Yeah, I just didn't want to get into like a half-hour conversation about theodicy. <laughs> we don't have to. I'm just saying, you know, God is love. How, how does that tell us that jive? After you told... Make well, okay, not okay. to worry about well, his uh not to worry about his uh course of force. No, okay. Part. So so the heart of process theology, right? So the the oh, heart of the, the heart the heart of the question of theodicy is that if God is simultaneously all loving, 
all-powerful, and all-knowing, then how can evil exist? Yeah. Right? And, you know, the probably the response that most people would be most familiar with is the kind of overarching like evangelical and not in the contemporary like negative connotation evangelical but the you know the, the traditional evangelical response is that uh, humans have free will and they introduce sin into the world and that's why evil exists so that's that's the m- most common one i think most of our listeners would probably be um would be uh knowledgeable about that or, or either the job answer where it's like well god's all powerful so don't worry about it because you can't question god Right, or, you know, Isaiah, right? God is yeah. the author of the good and the bad. Right, right? Which, so, which I like much better. Which is that's fine. What, that's what I'm pushing back right. Because if Right, and that's, you know, there are a lot of people who, you know, particularly a lot of Presbyterians, uh, who hold to the sovereignty of God in a particular way, would say that, well, yes, at the end of the day, you have to attribute it all to God, right? Um, so that that's, that's another option. Uh, what process says is it says that well you you solve this problem by saying that all three of those are not uh, simultaneously true right because largely the job answer says in my opinion and I, I know a lot of people would push back on this that god is not all loving god is not all benevolent right um and, and i don't think there's any other way to read the book of job in my opinion um and so, so that answer also says these three are not simultaneously true. So that says God is not all benevolent. The process uh, option says God is not all powerful. So right. God is all benevolent and God is all knowing and God does the best that God can to intervene in the world uh, to push things in this kind of loving potential, this potential loving quote unquote direction. But God is not all powerful. And so, so God cannot just, um, God, God is not, you know, I, using like puppet strings to make things happen the way that God would have them happen. Right. So when the, when the, you know, today here in Columbia, a drunk driver killed, uh, or last night killed uh, a mother and a father of like an 18 month old and the baby survived, but the mother and father died Mm -hmm. um, at the hands of this drunk driver. So it's like, you know, on Facebook, you, you see like, well, you know, Praise be to God for the baby. It's like, what? It, really? Like, that's a God you want to worship? Like, right. in my mind, and I'm sorry right. to go there, but it's like, that's kind of a terrible perspective because that kid's going to have, like, some serious issues, um, you know, psychologically to, to deal with right. and things to overcome. And, like, yeah, God puts stumbling blocks in our way and all that stuff, but really? Like, you you want to you wanna say that this kid, yeah. Um, so there, there's that, but... I think you get that that point of view out of Job that God is well. Okay, so if God is is all benevolent but not all powerful, is God not all powerful because God chooses not to be all powerful, is or is God all powerful because God is not all powerful? Because in Job is kind of right. Well, it depends. Um, yeah. I mean, on you know who you're talking to that describes the process, but. Um, I don't know that it really matters how much because I mean, do you think I mean God that's a tautology, right? Can God make a well, rock big enough that God can't pick it up? I mean, come on, that's that... well. I mean, if you're going to get the process route, I think you have to encounter the tautologies. You know, can the a movable mover make something that can't? You know, right? But you don't have to. But but if you're a process theologian or if you subscribe to process theology, you don't have to subscribe to an immovable mover. Or something like that, right? Right, it's but kinda... I, I think that's the, the point of all this is that when you get into, I forgot the guy's name who helped come up with process theology, Point Poinkin. Anyway, when you get into those these, you like Whitehead and some of those people, right? Yeah, I mean, of course. Um, when you get into these notions of, I mean, yeah, tautology, but also just theology itself, whether it's process or whether it's dogmatics or you know whatever. And I, I love theologians. I'm sorry if I'm going to piss you off here because I don't. I'm a banker. Sorry. Right, the theologians are going to be like they're horrible. Like, yes, we know that's the point. We're not, not that you're horrible, but like it's mental masturbation to a to an extent because I think you know a lot of it's projection. And yes, we can go through these theological frameworks, but we're not we're not Anselm. We're not Sir Thomas More. And, you know, like we've advance the ball a little bit down the field and it feels like as as humanity not i'm not buying into the whole progressive you know we're, we're getting better right. and better yeah certainly not but uh, do we really need to resort to medieval 
kind of dogmatic theology or, or looking at these things, these questions about God in, in such a way that we, we stick to these frameworks of, you know, a priori versus a posteriori, you know, like these, I don't know, philosophical definitions of something to, to, to try to grasp into the dark because we're not ever going to get there. So, I mean, all theology is process theology, you know, because <laughs> maybe, but yeah, that's going to piss a lot of theologians <laughs> off. Um, so, I mean, it's true, you know, like no, how can you I, hang I, your hat on anything? You know, I, I think the Hindu, the Hindu uh, sort of worldview gets it much better of like, we don't know what the hell's going on up there, but um, you know, here's some avenues to figuring it out. And here's a book that might help you, but you know, we're not making any claims. Yeah, I mean, I, right, and this is why, right, this, we're coming back, I'm pulling it back around, but uh, this is why I talk about what I'm Let, comfortable with. Let's sit with. down on that for a minute. We're going to sit down on this for a minute. We've been sitting on this for a minute. This is why I talk about with what, I, what I'm comfortable with. And uh, just the place that I'm in, and the place I've been for a long time, um, is that if if your, your view of whatever uh, does not is not actively making the world better or does not push you to actively make the world better, in my opinion, it's not worth anything. And uh, I know that wouldn't fly in the, uh, you know, the church in which I grew up and that's okay. There's a reason I'm not in that church anymore. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, these are really interesting questions. And I mean, we, you know, we talk about this and, you know, I, I'm fine sitting and having a three hour conversation about uh, theodicy, though I don't know that our listeners want to hear us have a three hour conversation about the Odyssey, but, um, but at the end of the day, I agree. Like what good does it get you to sit here and think about this and think about that? That I, I think we are, um, we are for the most part, not comfortable living, not knowing, right. We're not comfortable living in the tension and, um, and I am for the most part or have been for a while at least. And I hope to continue to be comfortable living in the tension. And that's, one of the reasons that I'm no longer uh, contemporary American evangelical like I was when I grew up, uh, because there is no room for tension. There, there is no room for questioning there, and you have to have the answers. And by the way, the answers are always given to you. And um, that's just—I don't know, right? If you want to talk about who who is your God, to me, that's a pretty tiny God. And so. Um, I'm completely fine with people saying, right. Mr. Travis said this last night, right? Like, uh, yeah, sure. Or, you know, this is all mediated through our experiences and all this stuff. But by the way, mine's right. Like as a joke, uh, because we all think that, and that's completely okay. We wouldn't hold the opinions, um, and the beliefs that we do if we didn't think they were right. That's completely fine. Um, the problem that I have is when we're not open to, um, critiques of our position or to questioning our own position or asking questions or um, to other people viewing things differently than we do. Uh, and right, there's a lot that happens and your wife did a, a really great series, right? She wrote a really great series on this and you know what she termed spiritual abuse. Um, and so, you know, a lot of um, where I am now is a result of some of those types of things. And um, that's where I, that's why I, I really focus a lot on, um, you know, things that I'm comfortable with. Right. And, and that's, you can, you can say that that means that I've made God in my own image and that's okay. I would say that we all do. I'm just being honest about it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really sweet. She'll, she'll love that you said that. Um, she, we had a lot of tears and thoughts about that over yeah. the last few years. And yeah, that, that was a tough thing for her to write. And, um, Definitely link in the show notes, but it's something I'm I'm jealous of that that she was able to to formulate and put together. Um, and she still does a lot of like speaking right. engagements and stuff. Like she just did a, a women's retreat uh, last week about about that. Um, yeah, that's well. Now you made me feel guilty for making fun of you, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I'll be here all night. <laughs> I love how you invoke my wife to. I know, I know, man. I know. Don't try this at home, kids. We're professionals. I got nothing now. Well, and and uh, friend of the show, David Allen. I'm sorry, his Twitter handle is David R. Allen Jr. Yeah, because so his name is David Ray Allen. Uh, but okay, so, so but David, I just call him T. Ray. 
So, okay, so you can call him D-Ray. Yeah. So I can't call him David Allen. No, his Toad. dad is David Allen. Oh. It's, you know, it's confusing. It's just like, we have this conversation with your son. Yeah. Well, we call him, we call him by his middle name. So, uh, you know, know. We, we completely avoid that. Or Junior. No. Um, I want him, it's like Dale Earnhardt Jr. I want him to go by that moniker for the rest of his life. Samuel yeah. Benjamin Harrelson Jr. Um, so, yeah, so D-Ray, <laughs> not to be confused with D-Ray Mackison, the other guy, the activist. Oh, that's DeRay. That's DeRay. Getting Ooh, the accent. Right? He always wears the blue R. Allen, your new yeah. name is DeRay. DeRay. Yeah, so you got you to wear the vest. You got to wear the blue Patagonia vest. D-Ray probably has a blue Patagonia vest. Yes, I like it. So he, he, he uh, reached out to us on Twitter, which is, so he tweeted us, and said um, that UNC professor Molly uh, Worthen breaks down what it means to be an evangelical in this week's episode of Road to Now, which is a podcast I hadn't heard of, but I will be listening to it. So there's a link down in the show notes about that uh, from DeRay, uh, from his reference. Kind of going along with what you're talking about, Thomas, with kind of the mainstream evangelical understanding. Because I think that's it. I think most people just kind of take what's handed to them, you know, and, and they do what they told you. You know, there's just not a lot of interest in, in like really digging deep into this this type of uh, discussion about what God is, who God is, how God is, and how God relates to whatever this is. I, I'm I'm way too far over into the the scientific and like worldview. So like imagine quantum mechanics mixed with evangelical uh, kind of ancient Egyptian religion and that's where I am so it's kind of like right in the middle of the spectrum right yeah that's definitely right in the middle of the spectrum <laughs> yeah it's definitely mainline for sure yeah yeah you know I mean somewhere somewhere in the cosmos there's there's a line and I'm on that main right well that's the thing is that's where I think most people are right I mean maybe not there with you right with the kind of you know the Vikings and the Sumerians and the ancient Egyptian, right? Um, it's, it's all there, yeah. And the but, but I, I think quantum it causes mechanics. So much, yeah, it causes so much stress and anxiety in people because they think like, oh, well, I can't go, you know, sleep in the same bed as this person because we're not married, or I have to do this as a good Christian person, or I have to do this as a good, you know, Muslim person, or whatever, whatever your flavor of the month is. Or, you know, I'm a Baptist, so therefore this, or I'm a Presbyterian, therefore this. And you try to live up to these ideals, and, and you can't. Um, and God becomes a concept by which you measure your pain, as John Lennon saying. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say I agree with it again without you jumping on me this time? Um, so, so damn it, Thomas. Yeah. yeah. No, I... I mean, I think here's the other thing. I fully recognize having uh, spent a significant portion of my life in, um, you know, in a uh, in a in an atmosphere like that, that it's comforting to have the answers or to have answers. It's very comforting, um, and so I don't I don't begrudge people at all for appreciating that they have answers. To questions that they have um but you know a lot there are other ways to answer some of those questions and you know by the way maybe some of the answers some of the questions don't have answers and that's okay too um so i don't know i mean you know i i i try to resist talking about my kind of own personal uh faith on the show which is i guess kind of ironic considering the show is thinking religion um but so we could talk more about that later, maybe in person, if you know some of you are interested in that. But um, so I recognize that aspect of it too. But I also think there are a lot of people that aren't there. I mean, right, anecdotally, we both know that to be true. Uh, but that's what the data show now too. Right, this is where kind of um, our country is going religiously. A lot more people um, are considering themselves nuns, right? This SBNR, spiritual but not religious, so they're unaffiliated, but. Uh, as far as like you know belief in God and some of these other things that people would consider uh, you know primal you know necessary things essential beliefs uh, that hasn't actually dropped that much across our country so 
there are a lot of people who are not no longer comfortable with uh, the institutional forms of religion, and you can't really blame them in a lot of respects. Uh, and there are a lot of people who have more complicated beliefs, right? Or they have questions that were that they were never allowed to ask, and um, they are compiling things together. And this is how they understand their faith. And by the way, this is exactly what the early Christians did, right? They took things from Jews and maybe took some things from various mystery cults and maybe some other things. And then, oh, well, Jesus didn't come back. So now we need to start thinking about church offices, uh, right? So it's, I mean, in the best possible uh, sense of the phrase, they were just making it up as they went along, and we are too, and that's okay, right? And so that's one of the things that's most meaningful to me is just the kind of utter humanity that's involved in this, right? So when we were in uh, Israel, for instance, everybody, you know, they want to go to the Temple Mount, which is great. We went to a lot of great places, and they want to go to, they take you to this, you know, the... Um, the church and the nativity and the, and the church of the beatitudes and say, Oh, well, Jesus preached the beatitudes here. Well, no, he didn't. And they take you to the upper room, which is by the way, not even inside the historical walls of the uh, city of Jerusalem and all this stuff. But the thing that the, the experience to me that was most meaningful was standing on the, uh, the porch of a synagogue in, um, was it in Capernaum? Ah, I forget. No, where's the white synagogue is the white, um, the white synagogue is, yeah. I, I lost this. I was making a really great point. Uh, no, it's in Caesarea. Is Caesarea. it? In, it's either in Capernaum or Caesarea. I'll look it up. And and somebody's you know very disappointed with me right now, and that's okay. But the most meaningful experience I had was standing on the steps of this fourth uh, century synagogue and turning around and looking at what was the village, right where the the everyday people lived and they fished and they walked down to the Sea of Galilee and they just got by. Right, but then their synagogue was here, and they did life here. That was much. That was kind of a much more meaningful moment for me than all of these places that have popped up largely for pilgrimage purposes or tourist purposes, which are not very different these days. Why was that so meaningful? <laughs> That's what I just said. Because it's it's kind of this um but like this. It, it wasn't a, a tourist trap. Right, exactly. Just like the Valley of the Wind, right? You're there. There, there, there. There's nobody there trying to sell you anything. You're there, literally in a valley between two mountains. And you know, if Jesus is an important figure to you, you realize, okay, if Jesus made the trek from uh, Jerusalem to uh, down to the Galilee, there's like a 95% chance Jesus came through the Valley of the Wind. But there's, it's not a tourist trap, and you're there, and and then you get to have this connection with people that have gone before you. And that, to me, that kind of that kind of base human connection uh, is is important to me and is um, really meaningful to me. So, what do you think? And we'll we'll quit here. But why do you think people want easy answers, or why do you pe- why do you think people want to go to Jerusalem and see the upper room or the, the garden, or you know, the, go to Bethlehem and and see where Jesus was born? It's like, just what, what, what is it in us that that believes like I mean do people really think like oh well here's here's the stable that looks just like you know Francis of Assisi's 13th century wooden creation <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in the middle of Bethlehem so clearly this is where Jesus was born um, yeah a lot of people believe that absolutely but they're not ever told like they're not ever given an, op- an option of not believing that it's just easier, right? So I, I'm, I'm not a psychologist by any means. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to try to pathologize all of humanity. Um, but it, it's just easier. If somebody says, hey, Jesus was born here. And look, we have this church built on top of it because we've known for thousands of years is where Jesus was born. That's amazing, right? Um, I don't know. And it, the same way that I appreciate feeling close to kind of just the everyday humans that have gone before, well, you know, those places make people um, feel close to Jesus, right? Uh, and that that's that's okay, um, right? But we have we have these stories up in our head, and you know, you go there, and I don't know. I think it's kind of hard to go there and see. I don't. I don't know. I should stop there, right? Go to Jericho. The wall's still standing in Jericho, people, right? So. <laughs> 
<laughs> like there's a wall still standing there. So it's gonna be a beautiful wall. It's gonna be the yeah, biggest wall. It's, it's, it's the gonna best survive wall. for thousands of years. <laughs> Actually, maybe we should hire some Jerichoans to uh, to build our wall. Exactly. Our, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, um, I, I think that's a good question. I don't have an answer to that uh, except for the fact that it's just easier. And it's what a lot of people have been told is the only acceptable thing to do or to believe or to think. Yeah. And that's just not the business I'm in. Theodore agrees. Yeah. So for part for our number two of the show, we're going to turn <laughs> things around and we're going to ask Sam, right? Uh, we're going to get Sam to bear his soul about his understanding of the divine. Ugh. That's, that's a, uh, that's like an eight-part miniseries. I know that's my that's my point, right? Like a Netflix show, right? Right. So we're we're Sam and I are icebergs, right? So you get you get the tip, um, the the, the top ten percent. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I guess we're an hour into the show. <laughs> All right, let's just you get... sit on that, Thomas. <laughs> let's just just wait a minute. So you get the top ten percent, but so it's not like we we don't we haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this. I mean, we both went to divinity school. We both right have, you know, other degrees uh, in religion. So we've spent a lot of time thinking about these things, but you know, it takes a lot of time to get there sometimes. Many, to kind of ex- to a <laughs> to what? I said many many lifetimes. Yeah, right. But you know, to expose all that's kind of under the surface, so to speak. And I and my point is, I think that's where a lot of people are. They have all this under the surface, right? It's these experiences. It's the things they've been told they can't do. It's the things they've been told they must believe, or it's the freedom they were given to ask questions that some of us weren't right. Whatever. All of these things are shaping what we see on the surface, which we say like, "Oh yes, I believe that Jesus was this, and I believe that God is that." Um, but it's so much deeper for most of us. Uh, and a lot of it is difficult for people to articulate, even those of us who, you know, went to divinity school and even like Sam, who's ordained. Well, and, you know, lots of people don't, I mean, lots of people want daddy, you know, whatever that means. Right. Like they want a Trump. They, they want a, a God who looks like the God in Monty Python with the big beard and, and tells them what to do. And that has yeah. become overwhelmingly obvious um, in our in our country, right? I mean, what eighty one percent of evangelicals voted for Trump and still largely support him, right? Right. And you know, I mean, po- politics aside, like that's interesting. But um, yeah, we'll get to my stuff one day. I think we've gone on for long enough now. Episode two hundred. Episode two hundred. It's a date. So you're gonna have to stick around uh, if y'all want to hear Sam bear his soul. Really I give you a hint. I give you a hint. Read some Wendell Berry. <laughs> yes, plant sequoias. Best in the millennium. And practice yes. resurrection. Practice resurrection. Ooh, show title hashtag. Um. All right. Send us your feedback. Uh, let us know uh, what has been amazing about these last hundred shows, or uh, what we should do differently. Um, really, we just want to hear the good stuff. You we're not going to listen to you. <laughs> no, but you can tell us, right? I mean, we've got a hundred now. We're like, we're like pros. Right? Screw yeah, you. Definitely. You can tell us what. Go, go get your own podcast. Make a hundred episodes, and you then, then you can tell us what we should do differently. Because I, I feel like we can tell people that now. We've we've leveled up. It's good to know. I didn't I didn't know this. Is, so we've leveled up now. This is okay. Good to know. Yeah, I mean, we can say whatever we want. Oh, okay. I've been doing that the whole time. Um, just grab them by the podcast. Doesn't matter. You can say anything. <laughs> As always, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. Sam is at Tim Harrelson. I'm at Thomas Whitley. And um, you can find more great podcasts for now at thinking.fm and for the future at thinking.fm, even after we transition over to Fireside.